This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Presented by Sweet Sweat. Hey, welcome into the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Uh, Mark Schlereth alongside Mike Evans, Scott the Hub, producing the show. Want to thank our new presenting sponsor, the great folks over at Sweet Sweat. I'm telling you what, Sweet Sweat, I use their products all the time, working out. They are a game changer for you. Check them out at sweetsweat.com. Also, Mark's All Pros. Uh, you need a referral network, the greatest referral network in the country. That's what we're building. That's MarksAllPros.com. Mike, how are you, buddy? Oh, I am just, uh, I'm exhausted after the combine. Are you? I mean, so many players, so many cone drills, mm. so many long jumps, broad oh, jumps, yes. 40 times. I'm exhausted. I, I've, I've, I've come to realize why they don't invite me. Like, anywhere I ever worked, whether it was ESPN or whether it was Fox, I've never been to the Combine. I didn't get invited there as a player. And I know now why they don't invite me as an analyst. Because I would ruin the little game that goes on at the Combine, which is every player is the greatest player ever, and... Boy, this guy is an outstanding – because this guy can exercise well, he must be an outstanding football player. The amount of just slobber that goes on in the broadcast of the Combine is enough to make me want to sit on my couch and throw things at the TV. I mean, I was like literally dog cussing, making fun of – I know I shouldn't be, but I was. The guys – they got my former colleagues and guys I know really well, and I'm just like, oh, for you know, for crying out loud, give me a break. Here's the thing I hate about the Combine. All right, let me just – a couple of things that I just hate about the Combine. A guy runs fast, and all of a sudden he's a great fucking football player. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, seriously – Pardon my French. Are you kidding me? Guy can run really fast. You know the guy hasn't worked out, or excuse me, the guy hasn't done anything from a school standpoint. He dropped out of school as soon as he finished his bowl game, and he's been working with a track coach so that he can increase his 40 times in T-shirts and shorts. I I call it the underpants Olympics all the time, right? And I had somebody ripping me on Twitter like, well, it's so disrespectful. Like, your 40 time is directly correlated to how good a football player you are. No, it's not. It has nothing to do with whether you can play football or not. Like, the top 10 40s recorded the combine. You ever hear the top 10 40s recorded the combine, Mike? Do you know who those guys are? Yeah, a bunch of former Al Davis picks. Right. I mean, you look at the top 10 40s of all time. So this is how that correlates, right? Like all those people saying it's a direct correlation on your ability to play football. If you run a really fast 40, that means there's no question that you can play. Are you kidding me? It has, I mean, it has literally nothing to do with it. Yeah, I want guys that can run fast. It's important to be able to run fast. I get that. But the top 10 40s ever recorded at the NFL Combine in the last, what, two decades, okay? Here they are. Number 10, Jacoby Ford. Was he a dominant player in the NFL? No. How about nine? Raider, Raider pick. Raider pick. How about nine? J.J. Nelson. 
Was he a dominant player in the NFL? No. How about number eight? Jalen Myrick. Who? Jalen Myrick. Who doesn't remember? Oh, how about number seven? Excuse me. Number, yeah. Yeah, Jacoby Ford. No, excuse me. Yeah, Jacoby Ford, 10. J.J. Nelson, 9. Jalen Myrick, number seven. Who can ref- who can forget Tyrone Calico? Oh, Tyrone Calico. Watch him go. Did he, did he invent the Calico critters that my granddaughters play with? Because if he did, that is a big-time contribution to the NFL. Uh, number six, Stanford Route, another Raider guy. Another Raider, yeah. Number five, Marquise Goodwin. Had a decent career. He's had a decent career. Number four, Jerome Mathis. Number three, Dree Archer. Remember Dree Archer, little scat back out of, uh, he played for Pittsburgh yeah. for a couple of years. Yeah. I don't know what he's doing now. Number two, Chris Johnson, legitimate player. CJ2K, sure. And number one, John Ross. Tell the John Ross story, by the way. Yeah, John, I was told I was told by, I, I had a couple of guys that I knew that coached in Cincinnati. They were just like, here's this guy who runs a 4-2-2. He lines up like first play in minicamp. And I, I think it was I think it was uh, Drake Kirkpatrick, you know, as a Pro Bowl corner or whatever. Like, got impressed, stabbed him in the chest, about broke his sternum. The guy just, like, he instantly stopped. Like, you can't do that. This isn't not fair, you know. I mean, just like physically couldn't get off the line of scrimmage. And what good does it do to run a 4-2-2 if you can't actually get off the line of scrimmage? So, like, it, it, there's no correlation. Like, yeah, I want guys that can run fast. I get it. I want great football players. And this is all you do is you go out and find yourself a track coach and you increase your 40 time by two tenths. And the next thing we know, you know, you're either rising up the boards or dropping down the boards based on your ability to exercise. But there's got to be so. I love when you say that. Like, I think it was uh, Tristan Wirfs, the, who you like, by the way. You like I do him a like lot. him. Yeah, absolutely. But he had a, he had a day. You know, and he was just wowing all the the commentators. Right. And you're like, wow, Tristan Wirfs had a great day of exercise. Yeah, I'm going with. <laughs> I just, I'm like, I'm like, Mark, this is not going to. Right. You're not going to ever get invited to the reindeer games. No. If you, uh, keep doing this. No, this guy is an excellent exerciser. I mean, he is like, like, uh, what, what's what's the what was the guy back in the uh, Eastbound and Down or whatever it was? Uh, oh, Powers. Yeah, Kenny Powers. Yeah. Like, I, I I play real sports, right? I mean, I, I play real. I don't want to be the best at exercising. I play real sports. Like this is the best at exercising. And and listen, when then the why fi- do they do it? When the film matches, okay. When the film matches, it's great. But here's you know here's the biggest point: the combine. Here, and and this is this is just true statement. The last forty these guys will ever be timed running, the last vertical jump that they'll ever be that they'll be ever tested on, the last twenty yard shuttle. The last broad jump is during this pre-draft process. If it was such an incredible indicator of your ability to play football, why would you not be testing every year? Like what? Like once you make it in the NFL, you'll never run another forty. I never one time in twelve years of playing. Once I got through the pre-draft process. Never one time did I run a time 40. Yeah, I mean, you, you would think if a team puts that much stock in it two years into the league, wouldn't they like to get another 40 times so they can see if you've lost a step? Right, right. Like, hey, give me a couple more 40 times here, Let or let's test everybody in the 40 and see, you know, how we're going to – how we're going to divvy up uh, the, the reps on the depth chart based on your 40. No, it doesn't work that way. But there has to be some value to what goes on. Why did – why do did they do know, it? Why does way, why did why does the NFL spend millions of dollars to put it on? Why do the teams to invest all these resources? It's more in it? about, There's got to be something right, to it's, it. It's it's more about 
to me, it it's more about the the medical. It's more about the interview process. As a matter of fact, Bill Belichick left. He left the combine to go work out a kid who didn't get invited to the combine on Saturday. And he was in Middle Tennessee? Yeah. That's how important it is, right? I left the combine where the top 300 players in the country are to go work out a kid who didn't get invited to the combine. Where I can see all that, like, I could schedule that anytime. Why would you do it then? Because it's really not that important. If the if the if the organization that's won more Super Bowls over the te- last two decades and been to more Super Bowls goes, hey, our head coach and one of our top evaluators is going to go work out a kid during this time when we can sit there and watch every kid work out, what does it tell you? By the way, just think about the quarterback drills. The quarterback drills. What are the most in- what are the most important things about playing quarterback? Your ability to anticipate right and throw accurately. They're running drills where it's one receiver on air running a post or a post corner or uh, whatever. And the quarterback, and, they're, and, and guys are, oh, my God, did you see the release? Did you see the arm strength? Do you see the, really? Hey, look at how he's turning the ball over in shorts and a T-shirt with nobody there. Like, you tell me when you're going to run and you're going to play in shorts and a T-shirt. Like, I, I, so, again, like, all I'm saying is if your speed and athleticism matches up to what you do on film, here's the problem. Stupid teams go to the combine. The Browns are at the combine. And what happens to stupid teams is they forget about the film they watch yeah. and they create a bias. Uh, they, they create an exercise bias. Like, oh, my God, did you see him exercise? Oh, those rippled up muscles. Oh, my goodness gracious. The guy looked amazing. <laughs> Yummy. Right? And so what they do is somehow, they basically... queer eye for the straight guy right, just became right. part of the combine. Right, okay. but, but what they do is, is they basically create an exercise bias towards a guy, and then they make excuses for why right. he doesn't do shit that, on film. Th- there it is. I think that is it. The, the people who get the combine is... They use it to support what they already know or suspect. Mm-hmm. The ones who don't get it are the ones who talk, try to use what they just saw right. to talk themselves into something that they don't right. necessarily believe. Right. So they'll look at it and they'll say, hey, listen, well, the reason he didn't make plays is because right. the guys around him or he didn't have enough talent around him or, you know, that scheme that he was in was horseshit. Right. And in our scheme with our expert right. tutelage, no, you haven't developed a player worth a shit since you've been back in the league in 99, Cleveland. Like, honestly. So there are teams, the 20 teams out there that are that are stupid, you know, there are teams that will – Elevate a guy who was a, you know, a second or third rounder into the first round because he ran really fast. And they think that that is an indicator of how good that guy, you know, is, is going to play. And I just think that's I just think that's silly. Well, while we go through the combine, uh, we, we just got an example that there are other ways to improve your team in the offseason. That is mm-hmm. a good old fashioned trade. And the Broncos traded a fourth-round pick. They had 12 picks, or what is expected to be 12 picks after they get compensatory picks. 12 picks, a fourth-rounder to Jacksonville for A.J. Boye, uh, the cornerback who was a pro bowler just a couple years ago. Um, And we talked to 
Uh, Tony Baselli, mm-hmm. who covers Jacksonville games, future Hall of Famer, great offensive lineman, and uh, he talked about what the Broncos are getting in Boye. I mean, I, th- I mean, they're getting a solid, uh, above-average corner who, uh, during his three years in Jacksonville, had moments of greatness. And I mean, I think it was you know seventeen when they had that great defense. I mean, he was as good as any corner opposite uh, Jalen Ramsey. They were probably the best. Uh, uh, corner duo in the NFL, uh, you know, and then the last two years he's been good, but I think the expectations were so high set. He had the big salary. Um, they have salary cap issues. I mean, that's why they had to ultimately make a decision to uh, do something with him. Uh, but he's a good player. I mean, is he a lockdown number one guy? Go put him on the number one receiver and just you know don't you know to worry about the rest of the field. I'm not sure he's at that level, but he's a good player. He's, he's got, you guys got a, a starting caliber guy who can. Uh, help you win football games. Now, as to what you've talked about a lot is, you know, Jacksonville being one of those dysfunctional franchises and, hey, don't hold anything against any of these players because that's what they've had to play in the last couple of years. Baselli talked about that. The difficult situation is not just, I mean, so much has been made of Tom Coughlin and, you know, the culture and all the stuff that goes on. Um, but more than anything, it's it's been a situation where they've had double-digit losses six of the last seven years since you know Dave Caldwell came in as the GM. Um, it's been a situation where they've missed and uh, on quarterback paid the wrong guys, and, you, and and it's something that I think gets overlooked is when you pay the wrong people, it not only sets you back from a cap standpoint. Um, you have guys you're paying a bunch of money for that aren't performing. It also sends the message in the locker room for the guys who are performing. It's like, wait a second, you're going to pay this guy, and I'm not going to get paid. And I think that you see a little bit of that with the uh, unique uh, Gakwe situation. Um, and so it's been a it's been a, a bit of a mess. And uh, what in Mark, you've been you played a lot of, a lot longer than I did, and you've been on teams that won. You've been teams on that have lost, and winning cures everything. And when you lose, it exposes what your culture really is. And I think the misnomer is oh. This was a really tight team in 17. They have a great culture and all that stuff. You know, kind of the rubber met the road. It's been difficult, and the culture's not quite as strong as it needs to be. And is that the front office fault? I think, I mean, I think you look at both things. I think one of the things that's interesting about the A.J. Boye trade to the Denver Broncos, one, when he was coming out of Houston, he was a hot commodity. Remember, he started his career in Houston. He had that exceptional season in Houston, and he became a free agent at the right time. And he had two teams that were really courting him. He ended up signing in Jacksonville, but the one team that was really on him was Chicago Bears. At the time, the defensive coordinator of the Bears, Vic Fangio, now the head coach of the Denver Broncos. So this has been a guy that Vic Fangio has coveted for a while. I reached out to some Jacksonville coaches I know, asked him about A.J. Boye, said, hey, listen, Guy may have lost a step. He's not a travel corner, line him up against the best receiver, but he's an outstanding zone corner, outstanding zone corner. He really understands football. He's got great football acumen, understands routes, route combinations, what's coming his way. He'll be exceptional in that kind of system, the system that Vic Fangio wants to run in Denver and, you know, and is great with the young kids. He's a professional football player. Great with the young great kids, great at teaching, the great tutor, you know, tutelage, that type of thing. That's A.J. Boye. So, you know, and a lot of people have asked me, well, what about Chris Harris Jr.? You know what? Like, Chris Harris Jr. is a great player. But here's here's the point that you have to understand about this trade. Like, I think Chris Harris Jr. is probably going to play somewhere else. 
So Chris Harris Jr.'s skill set is not playing zone. His skill set, what he's best at, is being in the slot in man-to-man. That's where he's excelled. That's where he's made a name for himself. And a lot of people will tell you, well, he had a bit of an offseason. Yeah, because he was playing kind of, quote-unquote, out of position. You're getting a, an outside corner in A.J. Boye that is a great zone corner, and you're going to put him in a position of strength. And I say this all the time. I don't care what your business is, whether it's football or whether it's anything. Take people and put them in positions to succeed. Accentuate their strengths. Mitigate their weaknesses. And guess what? They're probably going to serve you pretty well, right? And so I look at this situation and say, hey, listen, as much as we would like to keep Chris Harris Jr., his skill set doesn't really, it doesn't doesn't mesh with what I want to play, which is I want to primarily be a zone coverage team. AJ's does. So we're going to, you know, again, accentuate his strengths by putting him in a system that he excels at and for Chris, we're probably going to let him go because that's not what he does. That doesn't mean he doesn't have great value. Well, if you're one of the apparently six teams that are interested right. in Chris Harris Jr., and I'll uh, give a shout-out to the Eagle fans listening, Philadelphia has been reportedly on him, even going back to last year's trade deadline. Right. Then if you play that kind of a defense where you're more man-oriented and you're going to have Chris Harris in the slot in man – you're getting maybe the best in the business. I did a Chicago game versus the Denver Broncos here in Denver, sat down with Matt Nagy, went over the defense that he was facing because he is the head coach slash offensive coordinator, and point blank from Matt Nagy, Chris Harris is the best slot corner in football, best man-to-man slot corner in football. Done. Stamp it. Like That's where he was. and I, I think there's a lot of people that feel that way. So, um, I think you know when when you when you break it down because I've also heard this. Well, it's baggage. You know, he must have some baggage that we don't know about, or blah 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 blah. I will tell you that Jacksonville, having covered a couple of their games the last few years and having talked to some of the coaches and talked to some of the players, and like the dysfunction that was going on in Jacksonville is legendary. Okay, and I'm not going to get into it all, but just trust me. You know my word from. People that I trust. Well, it was. I mean, I'm, I'm not asking you to betray any confidences, but I mean, it's not hard to read between the lines when you see that the whole coaching staff is back and Tom Coughlin's gone. Right. I mean, you know. Yeah. So it was. Come to uh, your own conclusions, right, there, folks. The, <laughs> the 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 level of dysfunction was was legendary, and that's why changes were made. Okay. So when you have that going on within your organization, Mike, it's. Like, it's hard to evaluate players when you're walking in, like, you go, we don't, we got, we don't got a chance. Like, this is so dysfunctional. And the reason that AJ Boye is no longer there is because why? Because they're in salary cap purgatory. They just, they just cut Marcel Darius to save 22 million on the cap. Um, they just traded AJ Boye. I guarantee you, Nick Foles is going to be gone. They gave him $90 million last year. He's going to be gone. They got a new offensive coordinator. Jay Gruden's going to be their offensive coordinator. They need new offensive linemen, especially their two tackle positions were horrid. So they're going to have to make some wholesale changes, and they got to have the money to do it. 
And they're moving off that, you know, that defense they built in 2017 with A.J. Boye was a pro bowler and he was as good as anybody in the league in 2017. They're moving off that kind of off that kind of makeup of their football team and they're going to pour more resources in the offensive side of the ball and they're going to rely on the draft to take care of um you know to take care of a whatever defenses whole defensive holes they have to fill because I think it's I think from a transitional standpoint like it's easier to come in and play corner in the league as a draft pick than it is receiver I mean the history of the league would tell you that right I mean, wasn't Marcus Lattimore from the Saints, wasn't he a Pro Bowl or All-Pro player his rookie year? I mean, you see this with defensive backs. They come in, Jalen Ramsey was great his rookie year. You can see it with defensive backs. You don't see it very often with wide receivers. One of the reasons, I talked to coaches about this, one of the reasons is in college football you play against a lot of zone, you never see press man-to-man, and all of a sudden you get stabbed in the chest, you can't get off the line of scrimmage. Your release is the number one thing in football, right? That's for, for wide receivers, the release is the number one part of running a good route is getting a great release. Well, if you never had to worry about getting releases in college because they're all off the ball in zone, and you've never you've never developed that skill set. So all of a sudden you come into the NFL, you know, like I said about John Ross, you get shoved in the chest, about break your sternum, and you're like, wait a minute, they can't do that. Darrell Revis is going to be a Hall of Fame player. Darrell Revis is one of the great corners I've ever seen. Darrell Revis is a cornerback, probably could not run. He was probably one of the slower corners in the league. If you lined up the 40 top corners in the league, he'd probably come in 40th in the 40-yard dash. And I don't know what he ran at the combine. I don't give a rip. But I know one thing, unbelievable feet and unreal hands. I mean, he would lock receivers up at the line of screen. They wouldn't get off the route. They wouldn't get into the route. Like the quarterback could be off that guy in the first second because he's still he's still getting jammed on the line of scrimmage because Revis was so good at that. We we talked about why Jacksonville did this. What about for the Broncos now? And you know they went into this off season with twelve draft picks and a lot of cap space, right? And a golden opportunity slash crucial off season if they want to get back to being you know, a contending team. It's a huge, huge offseason for John Elway. I think this is a, a, a positive first move of many more that need to be made, but I see a real window of opportunity here for the Broncos to to greatly improve. I totally agree. I mean, I think that— Now, not to overtake the the Chiefs, but to most certainly put themselves in the wildcard conversation. Well, I, I think it—I think— you make this move, and I think there's a lot of moves that have to be made because I think going into the offseason, even though they swept the Chargers last year, I still think they're the fourth most talented team in this league. They're not in the league, but the fourth most talented team in their own division is what I meant, the AFC West. This this move helps rise them up, an outside zone corner. I, I think this is one where you double up, right? Where you say, hey, we got one from a trade free agency or trade, now let's go get one in the draft that's really good, right? I think that's one. I think receiver's another position where you'll see them double up. I think you'll see them go after a free agent receiver, maybe somebody that provides speed on the outside to take the top off, to open things up for Cortland Sutton. And on top of that, I think you'll see them draft a guy. Because, you know, you and I – 
talked to Charles Davis the other day on our radio program. He said Der- Daniel Jeremiah, who is uh, you know an NFL analyst and he works for the NFL Network, and does a great job from a scouting standpoint, and has had opportunities to interview for GM jobs in the NFL. He had 27 receivers that he had a second round or better grade on going into this draft. So I think you'll see them double up there as well, right? Get themselves a free agent wide receiver that's on the market or trade for somebody because they've got, I mean, they had 12 draft picks going in here. They gave a fourth rounder up for A.J. Boye. So, like, I could see that being part of their strategy as well and then also drafting a guy. When it comes to the Tom Brady rumors, everybody seems to have – you know, a source mm-hmm. they heard from a guy, uh, you know, reports say, you know, and it's the Raiders, it's the Chargers, it's the Colts, it's the Titans, on and on and on. But I perked up with interest with a uh, Boston based report from Tom Curran, uh, who, as I've followed over the years, might be be as close to somebody that you can call being a Brady confidant Mm -hmm. or insider as Mm -hmm. I've seen over the years. So it was with great interest when he said that the idea of Brady to the 49ers is real. That, listen, you said said this interestingly enough. Right after the Super Bowl. You and I talked about it. You said, man, I could see this happening. So New England gets what Bill Belichick wanted in the first place, which was the, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo to, to be the successor to Tom Brady. And the San Francisco 49ers get the most accomplished quarterback in NFL history in his last couple of years with a really damn good football team around him. A guy who grew up Going to games at Candlestick Park. Probably had one of them little plastic helmets and like the pajama set. He admitted that he like cried because his dad wouldn't buy him a foam finger one time. So, I mean, how perfect is this? He had the little Niner jammies with the little plastic helmet. Probably. Oh, yeah. All right. But think about it. You know, it's because I I just... You know, if Brady's going to leave New England, I don't know. I, I to me, it needs to really, it needs to check all the boxes. You know what I mean? Mm. I, I, see, I just can't see him going to Indianapolis. You know, right. I can't even see him going to Tennessee or Nashville. Right. Um, but something like that, ooh, that that gets real interesting. Chance to win. Coach, he would would clearly respect in Kyle Shanahan. Right, how much respect did Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots have for Kyle's father, oh. Mike, and enough respect for Kyle to make the phone call? It was Bill Belichick who yeah. called unsolicited to Kyle, Kyle directly. Tells, Kyle told a great story at the Super Bowl. He said after the Broncos beat the Patriots in a playoff game in, I think it was like 2005 or something like uh-huh. that, um, it was the one where Champ Bailey returned the mm-hmm. the. Ba- that after the game, Belichick stopped by Mike Shannon's office mm. to talk. And Mike, after the fact, told Kyle how cool that was. Right. Kyle said, of course, I got kicked out of the office. Right. You know, it's just the two of them talking. But Belichick had such respect for Mike Shanahan that he sort of took Kyle under his wing 
mm-hmm. called him after the the Super Bowl in which the Patriots came back to beat the Falcons. Called and you know just kind of talked to to Kyle about it. And then when it came time to give up Jimmy Garoppolo, called him up and said, "You want him?" Right. So and I and I told you that I had talked to Kyle on several different occasions where they had reached out to the the New England Patriots, San Francisco did on multiple occasions, and he's not available. He's not available. He's not available. He's not available. And then all of a sudden, the phone rings. Says Kyle just picks it up. He's like, "Hello, yeah, you still want Jimmy Garoppolo? It's Bill Belichick." Yes. Second rounder, yes, done. Like we'll we'll get the paperwork. Like that's how the that how the deal went yeah. down. So I mean, um, this would be this would be absolutely absolutely amazing. And I will tell you this: just going over the 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 all twenty two coaches tape of the Super Bowl, I, I'm telling you, Tom Brady wins that game for the San Francisco 49ers. They roll. They they roll. They had that game in complete control, and there were so many throws that were either errant or just missed. Like George Kittle, quite frankly, probably should have been the MVP. He should have had in the second half alone. He should have had about four or five catches with another hundred yards receiving and another touchdown. There was there was. I mean, there was a third down and five where they run and they run. It's like a, a it's the, the concept's called Buffalo. So they're like in a trips formation. Kittle runs a through route right in the middle, right? The, the slot receiver runs kind of a, just a clear out, a pick route. So he goes, he just goes straight off the ball and to the outside like he's running a fade. And then the outside receiver happened to be the back runs what they call a now route. And it's just a one-step slant, hard, right? Nobody covers Kittle. Like, if you throw the through route, he it, it, it's he's going to be, it's the third down to five. He's got a 15, he's got 15-yard chunk, and if he makes somebody miss a tackle in the safety, miss a tackle, it goes for 40 yards and a touchdown. Garoppolo throws the now route, and it gets cat tackled. It's third down to five, it gets tackled, it's complete but he gets tackled for a three-yard gain, and they end up having to punt. Right? I mean, and it was just like, oh, my God, what are you doing? And there was play after play. There was there was at least four or five plays yeah. like that. Kyle Shanahan was coaching around his quarterback in the fourth quarter of a Super Bowl. Think about that. And we, we just got done talking about that. Hey, remember, remember, that game was 20-10 to 10 San Francisco with six minutes and change left. And with them with the ball. Yeah. So we just got done talking about Jacksonville about how hey, it was just a couple of years ago with AJ Boye and they had a, they had a super they were in a Super Bowl window. And then it closed. Mm-hmm. I mean, these things can be fleeting and if you're the 49ers and you feel, "Hey, we got a young dynamic defense, but it's a defense that we might have to start paying here in the next couple of years, and we might not be able to, you know, hold on to everybody. Right. Armstead's a free agent, right? They've got some guys that are going to be free agents. We got to strike now while it's hot, and who better to bring back, bring back home to finish out his legendary career and win us the Super Bowl in the process, Tom Brady. Come on. Come on. And I'm telling you what. On the handsome meter, you're going handsome for handsome. So you're not losing anything on the handsome meter. No. 
right? No. Some might even say you're gaining. Maybe. A little bit of distinguished yes. handsome. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And you know what? In the end, because, I, I mean, what, what probably happens at that point? Um, you know, Garoppolo, you know, do you just, do the 49ers just extend the courtesy back to New England and say, here you go, here's Jimmy for a third round pick or something, and evil, diabolical Belichick gets what he wanted all along? Mm. Here's my young quarterback of the future to groom, get him back in the hands of Josh McDaniels, and away we go. I... Look, that of all the scenarios that have been thrown out there regarding Brady, come on, doesn't that one make the most sense? It does. It does. Well, what I mean, what if you don't have to I mean, Brady's a free agent. What if you just say, Hey Jimmy, you're gonna sit for a couple of no, years. No, no, you won't do that. You don't think? No. Yeah, you're already paying him a ton of money, right? But you can get out of but by the way, the, the guaranteed money now right. on that's what that's what makes this plausible. It's not like the guaranteed money for Garoppolo is so daunting that you wouldn't even suggest it. It's it's absolutely workable. Gosh, that would be that would make my day. Yeah, if you you've done a lot because you've done a lot of Forty Nine er games the last be, couple of years. Yeah, but if Brady goes there, it'll be the last Forty Nine er game. But that's that's got Joe Buck and uh, Troy Aikman written all over oh, it. Oh yeah, it? that's true. Yeah, I'm not gonna. They're get gonna be that. on the Forty Nine er beat if that happens right. every week. I'll just be pe- peering over the fence. I'll be outside <laughs> looking in, like just my little eyes over the top of the fence going, Joe, Troy, <laughs> it's me, Stink. <laughs> and be like, get out of here, Kyle. Kyle right. Lynch, remember me? Yeah. <laughs> I'll text you, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> Call me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that'll probably be the last Niner game I do. Mm, mm, mm. So, we'll oh see. my God, it would be, it would be, what, what a way to finish your career! Like, come on, like you don't already have it. Like, you got six world championships, right? You've been to nine Super Bowls. You, you married Giselle, right? I mean, like, just when you think it can't get any better, you get to go back to the team you rooted for, back to where your roots are, back to where your parents live. And finished your last couple of years as a Niner, and you win a Super Bowl. And who pre- who gives you the Super Bowl trophy? Joe Montana. <laughs> Joe Montana. I, in fact, the more I the more we talk about this, I, I, that's how it should end for I Brady. I think it's either I think it's either Forty Niners or Patriots. Man, Forty Nine. You're working it around in your head. I can see the gears working, oh, and it makes a lot of sense. I just, I just think, come on. I mean, it does make a ton of sense. Gosh. I can see it happening. I really can. Well, stay tuned. Yeah. Because uh, who knows what we're talking about next week. Yeah, exactly. All right, for everybody involved in the Sinking Truth Podcast, for Mike, myself, for Scott the Huff, thank you for listening. I want to thank Sweet Sweat for being the presenting sponsor of this great program, sweetsweat.com, for more information. I tell you what, they do a phenomenal job. And by the way, my daughter works there. My youngest, Avery, works for Sweet Sweat, so she does a great job with them. Check them out online, all over the place, on Instagram, on Twitter. Sweet Sweat is the place. Also, marksallpros.com. Check it out for all your referral needs 
from construction to anything you could possibly want. That's uh, that's uh, MarksAllPros.com. For everybody involved, thank you so much. We'll be back with you next week.